GBC Podcasts, local voices on demand. Hello, thanks for listening to the Gibraltar Today podcast. I'm Jonathan Scott. We're talking to Melon Diesel today as we bring you the super exciting news that they'll be doing a big show on Friday the 21st of June to celebrate the 25th anniversary of the iconic Janito album La Cuesta de Mr. Bond. We're going to talk to Dylan Ferro and Danny Bujeja in just a moment. But first, uh, on a completely different note, police are carrying out a dig at the Trafalgar Cemetery today and we think it has something to do with the disappearance of the young sailor Simon Parks many, many years ago. Our reporter, Roz Astengo, is all over that story and has been at the Trafalgar Cemetery this morning and joins us now. Roz. I feel that there are obviously areas clearly that they didn't um, they didn't check at the time, but based on new information that they now have, they would appear to have gone there to um, to, to make sure that they leave no stone uncovered. Basically, uh, what's really exciting and interesting about this dig is I said in an extended interview I gave uh, a few months ago that I believe now was the time to allow the RGP to carry out searches on their own. They have the expertise, they have the ability. What do you mean on their own? Because well, it's without a... Hampshire police being present, because Hampshire are leading on it, they have primacy over the case and. When Whenever we've had these big digs, they have always led on it. Uh, They bring out a large team from Hampshire. It's very expensive for them. Um, It takes up a huge amount of their resources. And... um, And, of course, we have an RGP team who have been part of those digs and obviously, um, you know, they have the expertise, they have the skill, they have the experience and they're here on the ground and it doesn't cost them anywhere near as much to do the digs on their own. So that's really good news because it means that now their partnership, I think, is is growing and Hampshire Police is allowing the RGP to do what they can on their own without them having to come out. Now, I don't think this is based on any new information. It's just part of the same inquiry, the same information that they have, and they are just making sure that, um, you know, that they can cover uh, all the other areas in that region, the town range to Trafalgar region. That, of course, was the uh, area where Simon Parks was last seen. So um, it's it's really good news for the family. OK, so um, you've been down there. How would you describe um, what the police are doing? Well, uh, what we have seen is they're going down... Um, I don't know whether, whether it's a water tank or a drain, um, but it, it could potentially be a water tank. I've seen men in, in white protective gear and winches. They're obviously going down into the into the hole. Uh, you can see there on your screen, there's quite a number of people. Most of them, like I say, if not all of them, are local. They're RGP officers, crime scene investigators. Um, they've done this before and uh, they know what they're doing. You can see... I think there you can see the, the the drain, the hole that they're going into. They're just covering it up there to uh, keep it from public view so that they can continue their work, um, you know, without uh, the glare of the public. So um, I've spoken to Margaret Parks this morning. She's delighted with the ongoing activity and it just gives her hope that one day, hopefully, her son's remains can be found. 
All right, Roz, and um, given the nature of, of your job, you, you've been covering another big story in the past 24 hours. That's the, the latest on, on the dig at Trafalgar Cemetery. I'm sure you'll, you'll bring us up to speed if there are any developments later on today. Uh, but um, the other big story that you've been working on is the upgrade at Europa Sports Complex, which will mean a lot to people in particular uh, who play football, who were worried about what would happen uh, when the works at the Victoria Stadium started. And now we've had a little bit of insight in, into that. Yes, I mean, we only have found out yesterday, but in fact, uh, UEFA inspected the facilities uh, about two years ago and completed a report and um, they obviously knew it was possible to bring it up to Category 2 standard and Category 2 is enough for preliminary rounds of the Champions League and Conference League matches to be played there, really important. Obviously, club matches can also be played there. You've got your under-19s, your under-16s as well, um, but the the, the, really importantly, the pitch, it's not just going to be football. I mean, it will also be up to uh, international world rugby standard as well. Um, so it's going to have the FIFA quality pro turf put on it. How are they going to pay for it? Well, uh, the GFA gets £5 million from UEFA on four-year cycles. So this upgrade, which they're, they're not certain exactly how much it's going to cost. They also want to look at changing the lighting, but uh, they think it will be in excess of a million euros but there will be um, some fantastic facilities there um, for future uh, you know, matches uh, are particularly important at this time because they are hoping for the new Victoria Stadium to be in construction uh, um, this summer. And really importantly as well, because I asked Ivan Roba, the General Secretary, yesterday, well, what about you know, getting up there, all the travelling, the infrastructure, that sort of thing? And he said, well, you know, all that was already looked at when they were originally planning to put a stadium up there. So They've uh, thought about that they've already. already thought about all of that okay let's yeah. uh, let's go to Ivan Rova. let's let's hear that clip that uh, you recorded with him yesterday this is the general secretary the- of the football association it's always been on the cards because the works we're doing are based on an inspection that UEFA conducted in the facility a, a couple of years ago and it was always meant to to be done parallel to the works of the of the new national stadium so now's the time to do it the turf will be very similar to the one that we install here it will be a fifa quality pro so it's the one that um fifa the the quality that has to be uh, used for these types of competitions for a category two stadium um and uh, it, it will be it will have the markings to allow other sports so rugby and cricket to to also play there we obviously in a good good dialogue with them to make sure that it works for everyone. So it will also be um, suitable for international rugby and we're catering for all these needs as well. We're in talks with them, with the other sports as well. We're in talks with the Ministry for Sports uh, and, you know, the dialogue is good, it's positive and we just all understand that we have to share the facility for the next few years and uh, I have no issue that, uh, I have no, no, no doubt that we'll be able to, to come up with a solution. Yes, there's going to be a lot more usage, but uh, it's manageable. I mean, there is a goodwill on all parts to make it work. Ivan Rova, the General Secretary of the Gibraltar Football Association, speaking to Roz Astengo yesterday after confirming that there will be an upgrade to the Europa Sports Complex later this year. Um, and uh, and Roz, it's, I suppose it's, uh, it's good news. It means uh, for, for not just, as we heard, uh, and as you said, not just football fans, but also um, uh, if somebody was worried that it was going to have an impact on rugby or cricket, the GFA is hopeful uh, that th- they'll be able to work together with those associations to yeah. 
to yeah. make all fixtures as yeah. many as possible work. Yeah, there does seem to be quite a lot of dialogue happening and I, I interviewed um, Ivan quite extensively at the end of last year and I did put to him, yeah, but, you know, is football going to take precedence? Is, is it always going to be football first and uh, the other sports um, second or third and and he said no that's not going to be the case they really are looking at working together uh, and and sharing usage of that pitch uh, amongst all of them which is which is really good news to the other sports cricket of course has also played there and um yeah so it's, it's, it's just had a big tournament there no the european it, cricket network has been there for yeah for quite a number of days yeah. with a with a, an event that they've broadcast to to sort of a global audience so it is a already a facility that's receiving a lot of use yeah, you really do get the feeling at the GFA that you know it's a lot of excitement there. Things are moving forward. You know, we did we did speak recently in viewpoints about the the, the difficult in transitioning from a, an amateur setup to a, a professional organisation, and it took several restructures to really get to where they are today. But you really do feel now that they are very much looking ahead to the future. So you've got this Category Two stadium in the south, and of course we're going to have a Category Four stadium at the Victoria Stadium and uh, they are looking to uh, begin construction this summer I was asking uh, Ivan yesterday about it well look you know is it all still going ahead and it seems that it is um, so we're looking we're very much looking forward to sort of keeping tabs and um, and uh, we'll, we'll be the, but as soon as they break ground, we'll be there, hopefully looking at plans. Which Continue to report on exactly. all developments. Exactly, yeah, very exciting. All right, Rosa Stengel, thank you so much, and, um, and we look forward to hearing if there are any developments on the, uh, on the dig at Trafalgar Cemetery. I'm sure you'll be the first to, to break the news. Gibraltar Today with Jonathan Scott. Time for a, a, a big reveal. Right? They launched this album 25 years ago. Spotify hadn't been dreamt of yet. It was launched on CD. It became iconic sold over 180,000 copies. And to be honest, today it's making me feel quite old. So to celebrate the 25th anniversary of La Cuesta de Mr. Bond, doing a big show this June and speaking to us in just a moment, Melon Diesel. For our Radio Gibraltar listeners, uh, our pleasure to be joined by Dylan Ferro and Daniel Bujeja of Hello. Melon Diesel. Um, I, I, I just can't believe that it's 25 years already, but of course it was 1999. Um, uh, you guys were, were sort of, you, you'd been uh, you know, hooked on music for, for years, uh, and this was like your, your big move. Like what's the Mr. Bond? It was indeed, and it was a big surprise for us indeed when, when we actually made it with this album, no? It was something that back in the day we used to play like weekend in, weekend out at the Collingwoods at Cool Blues. For those of you who are algo de acuerdo, and la verdad que when when everything when it happened for us it was like a like a big surprise, no pleasant surprise. And 25 years later, I mean, over the years we've kept on uh, playing some of those songs with our previous outfit of Taxi and and now rebranded as Melon Diesel, no. And the idea of this concert actually. First came around about five years ago, but COVID happened. Yes, we were going to celebrate the 20th anniversary and then obviously COVID hit and we said, well, no, yeah, we'll have to wait a few more years again until there's another anniversary and we thought it now to be the, the perfect moment to do it. 
And isn't it great that we're out of the pandemic and able to get together and celebrating oh, oh, concerts? Indeed it is. Of course. It seems like a different world as well, no, those, see, those few see, years. See, see, yes. I think it's, it's, we're finally there, I think. Yeah. I think people have forgotten, yeah. Th see, I think is, so. No, which is good. It feels normal to it be in a big crowd again. Yes. Um, there's still winter viruses going around and some COVID, but, but hopefully people aren't as worried as they were and people aren't falling as ill. As they were, um, but well, no. Okay, so take us back to then uh, the the launch of La Cueta de Mitterbond. Uh, those songs um, you, you'd been playing, sort of versions of them in English. Some we, of them. We've been trying those songs uh, when we used to play at the Collingwoods. Uh, obviously, like every other band, we all played covers uh, to attract people to our concerts, and then slowly but surely, we started trying out our songs. Uh, never having or thinking about them ever going to be uh, hits or, or that people were going to like them or not, but we started doing them and then start, people started asking, Oh, yes, I can see you. Well, that's the thing, it just <laughs> it, it, they, they worked perfectly between you two and Counting Crows and everything else. So you're yes, playing, well, no? It, just... it, it was a time where, where at least our style blended in very well with what was happening around us as well, and we fed from it as well. Uh, so, it, but, but yes, we started doing our songs, and people started sort of asking for these songs. And sometimes we were shocked that they preferred listening to our songs rather than the covers. And and then we started thinking, "Oof, aquí hay algo. <laughs> Something's happening." No? Definitely. Well, for somebody who's just joining us, uh, especially if you're on Radio Gibraltar, we're talking to Dylan Ferro and Danny Bujeja uh, after confirming that Mel and Diesel will be performing uh, a big gig on Friday the 21st of June to celebrate the 25th anniversary of their iconic Janito album, La Cueta de Mr. Vond. Um, and I say Janito because, you know, of the way it came together, because of, of how important I, I think it is to, to so many people. Um, but when, when you think back to putting it together and making that transition from playing gigs in Collingwood, as it was back then, and Cool Blues, to, to sort of reaching out to the, uh, a big record label and, and having those initial conversations... Did, were you pinching yourselves and saying, let's, let's keep calm, let's see where this goes? Or were you like just super excited? And I think that we just went with the flow, which, with whatever happened back in the day, no? I mean, going back to, to those days, um, the reason why we used to play in Collingwoods was because we were saving up money to try and move to, to, to Madrid, no? To the capital in, in, in Spain. Obvious reason being that everyone in the past has been trying to do it in the UK, but we thought that it was a, a far more competitive market. And for us, maybe it could be a, a bit more easier to, to break into the, to the Spanish market, no? And when we moved over there, uh, as I say, we just went with the flow. We moved with a couple of friends who were doing a year out, st uh, student friends who were living in Madrid. We we, we crashed in, in their living rooms basically for about six months until we... A por toda. A por toda, a, a, until, until we, we ran out of, of money. And as from there, you know, the, the, the story which we've, we've told a million times before, um, we met many friends there. Uh, one of the friends which we met when we came back, we, we had handed out our demos and he used to have a restaurant, he played it, Sonny's A&R uh, had it, she got in touch with us and, you know, 
the rest is history. From a restaurant play. From a restaurant play, <laughs> basically. Six million people in Madrid. Was say, massive restaurant, no? But okay, as, as everything was happening, we weren't like not even getting excited anymore. We were just like going with the flow and taking it day by day, no? Yeah. Until the moment that you realize that you're on a plane to the UK, paid by Sony Music, and you're actually going to record the album. So, so at that point, you had a demo, no? Like a, a sort of a rough recording, que digamos? Yeah. Sí, 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 o bueno, all coming from, initially from the Treehouse demo, ¿no? The yeah. red demo that a lot of people still have. Uh, but obviously, like, like Danny says, there was, again, nobody thought this was going to break or be an, an amazing album or anything. We just said, okay, bien, nos va a pagar Sony to go and record and we're going to have fun and we're going to do the thing that we know how to do and, and it just happened. Yeah. Okay, and, and we're going to go to a, a, a news break in a moment, but uh, in a minute, if you can, tell us a little bit about La Cueta de Mitterbond, the title. How does that come about? Uh, the album, bueno, the, the album title, really, to have something which uh, denominates, or at least when Gibraltarians see it, they feel at home with it, and something which also served well because people used to ask and we used to tell them the tale of uh, Timothy Dalton coming to do the, the the James Bond movie, which I remember very fondly being in school and watching... It's like uh, a 90s, I mean. And watching the stuntman doing the parachute so drop. It was it 80s. No, no, 90s, yeah, yeah, yeah. 90s. The Living Daylights, yeah. no? The Living Daylights. And, but we thought it was a, such a cool title and such a, a historic name of a street, which... El Janito immediately would connect and say, yeah, can, be, can Rome, be more no? Janito than that, no? La Cueta so, Mitterbond. So, La Cueta Mitterbond. Claro, which is V-A-U-G-H-N, if I'm not mistaken, yeah. but obviously we changed it to Bond so that it was like more, so that people outside could at least have something more to relate to, no? Yeah. which was the, the Bond movie. And it gives it the intrigue, no? Yeah, yeah. Our producer, James Murphy, has reminded me that the Bond intro features, has featured regularly or every sort of live gig that you play. Always. No? Ever yes. since we started, well, ever since we started professionally, I think. No, well, professionally, yeah. I mean, uh, with the big concerts in over with with the, with the melodies. I, I still get nervous when I hear the theme, yeah, Entra, because I know at a certain time in the theme, I have I have to come out to the stage. So now every time I listen to it, it's like part of the work. Because it helps you to like psych up, <laughs> yeah, 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 and also triggers all the pre yeah, sort of yeah, show yeah. Of course, nerves. Of course. Uh, and uh, so that sort of is homage to the title of, of, of the album that we're talking about. Indeed, no? we started to use it, as I say, as from the beginning of, of Melon Diesel, and ever since we, we, we just took to it. Brilliant. Uh, okay, so Contra, Contra Corriente, Por Ti, Quiero Un Camino, uh, songs which, which will mean a lot to, to many people in Gibraltar. Uh, tell us a little bit, I mean, choose which, whichever one you want, and, and tell us a little bit about how the sort of lyrics came together and, and the meaning behind it. Have, have any of them got a particular sort of place in, in your hearts? I think that they all have a different place in our hearts, a different place when, I mean, back in the day, uh, the way that we used to compose songs, it was like everyone in a band room bashing out ideas and maybe a song would come out, out of something which maybe could be something insignificant to a person could be like, oh, we've got something there, no? And I think that you, you, the way that you see songs grow, it's like seeing a, a child of yours grow, no? And I think that I couldn't choose a favorite of mine from that album, for example. They all mean something. They all mean something. They all mean something. Dylan? Yeah, for me, for example, well, 
and for a lot of people, for example, Quiero un Camino, no, is very important. I recently did another interview with with another uh, for a local podcast for Michelle, no, yeah, Ruggeroni, and and we were talking about how how it came about the 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 way we signed with the company, and we only had three singles, which really, if the if you don't meet the criteria of sales with the company after those three singles. They would uh, terminate the contract. They had the break clause, so we launched that first Contra Corriente song, and it sort of didn't sell entirely. And and then we launched Porti, and it also didn't work entirely. And then when we got to that third single, we thought, Oh my God, we're out! Fingers crossed, no? Fingers crossed, total. We the, the company didn't even pay for a, a video clip because they thought that this is it. These right. guys are going out. It's that. And then it's that, that brutal, brutal, Camino. No? suddenly took off and and we started selling some weeks uh, something like 15,000 albums in a week uh, so it, it just took off we, so that that song really helped to launch the album yeah, and, yeah, of and, course. and the band that is the defining moment of course quiero un camino it it gave you that that yeah, path yeah, yeah, no yeah. that's it <laughs> brilliant um uh, and uh, so so melon diesel uh, you, you you sort of uh, played as melon diesel again uh, for the first time in in years Uh, in the summer of last year at the Sunborn, you announced, I think, one night first first up and then extended it to th two, then to three, then to four. Yeah, I mean, we're a bit like that. No, we we never we never think that we're going to, like, sell out or whatever. It's just we take it, like, you know, with a calm stride. And when as soon as we, we advertised the first night, tickets went out and in the space that I think it was about 10 minutes, we sold out everything. Uh, a couple. Of, I, 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 I think we'll it was show the, out an hour later. An hour later, we advertised the second one, and then it also sold out also in sold 15 out. minutes. <laughs> and that was when Seamus got into was promoting the event. He got in touch with us, and he asked us to do a third night, and, a, and with the possibility of the fourth one. Mm -hmm. And we said that we would do it with the only condition that the fourth night we we would do it for for charity. Brilliant, uh, um, and and it sort of you not only had that really warm response from uh, the Gibraltarian crowd, you then used it as a launch pad to to uh, have a really successful uh, tour in Spain. Yes, um, we were actively touring uh, all of last summer, and again very surprised to see all the crowds and 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 everyone uh, crowds exceeding sometimes seven eight thousand people, and it was a really 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 good summer. Uh, and it was good to be back because we hadn't played for a long time due to from COVID to now we had sort of stopped as taxi. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then you so, hadn't. And, and then, then suddenly, there was also the excitement that you were Melon Diesel again. Yes, and, and yes, yes. I mean, for for us, uh, um, it, it's been a more of a marketing move uh, in terms of the the problems we've always had with the name Taxi. Not that we've ever lacked audience, or, or I mean, we sold another hundred thousand albums with Taxi. We had a Latin American Grammy nomination. And Amazing. The acceptance has always been there. The only thing is that because of you search for a taxi and and the first thing you see is your local taxi and not us yeah um we found it appropriate after uh, again talking to to our management that they, they thought that we needed to change the name to try and get more exposure especially because now everything is more online and everything and we thought well we'll just go back to our old name and Glad that's okay. it the, the the search for melon diesel is a more unique search than the search for taxi well, it you know? is unique if, if somebody's looking for yeah, the tickets yeah, yeah, yeah. you don't want There's, them to have to go through that's 20 right. adverts for different that's taxi right. companies before that's getting right. to the band that's right and we thought it appropriate instead of renaming a 
ourselves yeah. a third time. And I said, oh, God. And I'm like, again, we're going to change name. And, and so we said, well, let's just go back to our old name. We're not, we're not using it. We haven't used it in 20 years. Yeah. So. And, and, and the name also was meant to sort of have international appeal and, and intrigue, no? Like words that sort of yeah, yes. meant and could be pronounced in Spanish but in also in English. Both yes, so, yes. And, and also because we felt that at this time we, we're doing music maybe differently or it sounds differently and we've all been always saying, oye, esto suena un poco más melón, yeah. like what we're doing now. And, and in the end we said, well... Let's do mellow music again, no? Because I suppose as artists, your music um, goes through, goes on its own journey, yeah. no? And, and, and you sort of uh, lean into one particular genre a bit more, or, or do something right. a bit less, another yeah, in yeah. another album. No? I, thought, I, I think we've gone round, and then we've started doing things which we liked a lot. 25 years ago and we said all oh, the similarities now with what we were doing before and yeah, everything felt right to do it and, and and put the name back yeah and you still get like a, a kick out of producing music and, and performing live yes indeed indeed and there's different phases no there's the phase where you go into the studio to record uncompose and there's a phase of of playing live and i think that there's a time for for each one of them no when you when you spend like say six or seven months on and off the road, you want to go into the studio, and when you're about six months in the studio, you want to go on on the road, no? And I think that you still get the kick. As Dylan was saying a while ago about when you listen to the intro song to our concerts, the James Bond theme theme song, uh, it's it's that no, you still get that buzz, no? Before going on stage, you still get that buzz, especially when you hear something that you are creating that you say, ooh. This is something that... You get the adrenaline you, rush. You get it. You never lose it. So that sort of motivates you to continue producing music. Uh, are you doing that at the moment? Yes. Uh, well, I've been on the last year. Um, one of my, I think, biggest endeavours is trying to make a studio at home. Um, at least a fully blown studio. And, and I'm finally seeing the, the, the light at the end of the tunnel. But mostly I, I really... One, I've done the studio because I really want to compose more, to do more stuff. Uh, I think that uh, COVID marks a bit of a before and after. And I think a lot of us have sparked again because we realized that maybe things were going to be cut short. We never knew if concerts were even going to come back again. But we all decided to do something which we all know how to do and, and, and nurture it probably even more or be more appreciative of the things we've always had no? and, and which you take for granted. And I think that's what's happened in the, in the long run, at least for, my, for myself, for my sins, because I've, <laughs> obviously making a studio is not an, an easy endeavour. But definitely because we, we want to keep on composing and doing things which, which, we, which we love. And, yeah. and we never stop doing, but now it's sort of been re-injected again. And, so, and so, so you're working on new material? I mean, yes. you, you did release recently a song with the GFA? Uh, and and that, that's the sort of the, the first song that you released uh, after having rebranded as Melon Diesel. After so many, and after so many years, exactly. And we are working on new material. The only reason why we still haven't um, released anything is basically because, you know, uh, we've got now the, the 25th anniversary concert we're doing and everything. Uh, but we've got like a management company who, to whom probably are the only people who've, who've heard the, the new stuff which we've mm -hmm. been doing. Uh, you know, they're trying to like liaise with other people in in Madrid and trying to trying to get the the yeah. music out there. 
In the last um, interview that we did with you, you said you probably had enough songs for three more albums. So how have you gone about selecting, or how are you going about selecting songs for the next one? I mean, I mean normally, the, the, the way that we do it, we do it like... In, in a way that each one of us, of us, us, us three, we do like a list of our favorite ones and then we, we choose the ones that either the three have chosen or at least two of us. So, so that's the way that we go okay. through, the, through the filter. So you both, you, at least democracy. two of you feel confident, <laughs> exactly, very democratic. Like um, okay, so, so we're talking to, if you're joining us on Radio Gibraltar, to Dylan Ferro and to Danny Bujeja of Melon Diesel, who are going to be performing uh, a big gig uh, to celebrate 25 years, uh, the 25th anniversary of the album La Cueta de Mitte Bond, which really launched their careers. Uh, and uh, they're going to do that on Friday, the 21st of June, at the Europa Sports Indoor Complex. Uh, and that's just a couple of day- days after the Nile Rodgers and Sheik concert. So uh, I'm, I assume, a very similar setup, but some standing tickets and some sitting tickets as well. I suppose the standing ones are important for, for rock and roll, no? Yes, definitely. I don't want seated people. <laughs> I mean, the ones who want to sit, sit at the top, fantastic. Yeah. But uh, as always, you know, the, the, the ambience we create on our concerts and everyone wants to be at the front, everyone wants to be jumping. But yes, there's going to be a lot of standing tickets. I think those are priced at £40. I think there's also some seated tickets, £50, £60. But I, uh, I know there's some tickets which also come with goodie bags and T-shirts, but I think there's also going to be a chance for people to purchase uh, T-shirts also, which the proceeds of those T-shirts will go to charity. Okay, brilliant. So tickets aren't on sale yet, but they're going on sale on Friday. Uh, and uh, you can go to buytickets.gi to get your tickets as from Friday. Uh, and, uh, and I'm sure it's going to be super popular. Uh, so try and get there quickly if you can. Um, so we've talked about new material. Um, before I run out of time, uh, I need to, as uh, Radio Gibraltar, are media partners, official mm-hmm. media partners, and because GBC is celebrating its uh, 60th anniversary, uh, I have been told I have to give you these beautiful bottles... Oh. Uh, which, uh, if you're listening on Radio Gibraltar, uh, exactly, (laughs) we're we're also celebrating an anniversary. Uh, So we've got one for each of the band members uh, for you to take away. Uh, That's uh, one for you, for for Danny, and uh, and and also uh, we've got got a couple more for you guys to uh, to give out. Um, And if you are watching or listening and would like one of your own, please head down to the Gustavo Bacarisas Gallery. Uh, Our exhibition is open until the end of this afternoon. Uh, I'll double check the time for you but um, it's it is our last day and i know that the team down there would love to see you if you can head down uh, before this evening and pick up uh, one of these lovely uh, bottles to commemorate the 60 years that gbc has been broadcasting in gibraltar um, so we're delighted to be media partners um, we're looking ahead to this concert um, uh, will you perform any of your new music do you think at, at by june maybe might maybe. you be maybe. ready it's a good maybe. chance yes we mostly want to center it on what it is it's the anniversary of the claro. uh, of la cuesta you, you have to play... and, and there's lots of songs which we haven't played in 25 years in 25 years uh, so I think yeah. it, it would be nice to revisit that mostly and, and so that people also can reminisce w- with us oh we will um, for sure no? <laughs> I hope so <laughs> okay, music I mean it, it's, it's stating the obvious but it must be a wonderful thing for you guys to, to be able to tap into people's emotions in the way that your music it, it, does no? and it's amazing that you create something and it takes a life of its own and, and people come 
to you and they say that it's so oh, the soundtrack of their lives and it is pretty I amazing. got together with my girlfriend for this or <laughs> I know, broke like, up with my girlfriend as well. moment in time, no? Yeah. Okay, you can take you back to a particular moment in time, no? Totally, totally. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's ah, a, a real privilege to, to be able to, to be a part of that, I'm sure. Um, okay, well, uh, guys, uh, amazing to, to, uh, to hear this. I, I know that all of my friends are going to be super excited. La Guetta de Mitterrand turning 25 years old. Um, an amazing career uh, it's helped you to, to, to have. Um, and, and it still sounds amazing today. I was listening to it this morning uh, ahead, of, uh, ahead of the interview to get me into the mood. Uh, and I was thinking there's so much from 1999 that we can't talk about. Okay? Well, <laughs> what, what, what goes on tour and, stays on tour. And that tour. we don't remember. <laughs> that, unless it's on one a, of the reasons we can't talk about it. it's on a videotape. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, but no, absolute pleasure, guys. And... Uh, and the exhibition, uh, we were talking a, a moment ago about the exhibition uh, that GBC is, is uh, using to, to celebrate the 60 years uh, that it's been broadcasting. It's at Casemates until 6 o'clock at the Gustavo Bacarista's Gallery. If you can head down, uh, you might be able to grab one of these beautiful uh, bottles. But um, Dylan and Danny, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, in just uh, a word or two uh, before um, we go to one of your songs, can you uh, give us a reason why people should uh, be there on Friday the 21st of June to celebrate this uh, 25 years of La Cueta de Mitterbond? For nostalgia? Because we're going to have fun. Claro. <laughs> That's it. Claro, claro. Always. <laughs> as simple Always. as that. Yeah. Thank you, Dylan Ferro. Thank you, Danny Bujeja. Thank you uh, for the interview, but thank you also for the music. And, thank, uh, you. thank you. And long, long may that continue. Thanks for listening to those highlights from Gibraltar today. I'm Kelly M. Borge, the show's producer. We're live on Radio Gibraltar Monday to Friday from 1 to 2, getting behind the headlines. And you can catch up here whenever you like. Until next time, have a good one. GBC Podcasts. Local voices on demand.